says, all right. So, as all in all, paraphrase God. I want to make mature Christians out of everyone. Now, you may say, I already am. Well, that may be your judgment, but it may not be God's judgment. (laughs) Okay? And uh, I I always add a little humor with my teaching. Little honey always makes the medicine go down better. Right, Sister Raina? Smile, sister, (laughs) smile. And... uh, I'm going to I'm going to do a little bit something a little bit different tonight at the beginning of this study, Amen. Uh, because I, I want you to understand the good book that you're reading. Yes. Or I hope that you're reading it. Yes. <laughs> right. And I hope that the Word of God is a passion to you. Yes. That you love it. That you appreciate it. That you find it to be the bread that you need every day. I hope you to find it to be the guide that you need in your life. Thank God for the reading of this wonderful chapter from Psalms tonight. Just absolutely wonderful. Thank you, God, for the message on Sunday morning that we heard from our pastor. Uh, I just did a little quick calculation today with somebody that was at my house until, wow, I had to hustle to get out of the house, get here on time. But... Um, <clears throat> I guess it's been uh, 50, in July it'll be 57 years that I was, received my first credential as a minister, and uh, done a lot of studying in God's Word, and God's Word has become a firm foundation in my life and the life of my wife, amen? We need God's Word. Yes. But sometimes we find ourselves a little bit handicapped when we are reading the Bible because we are just a little bit lost as to where we are in time. My wife was amazed when she began to teach the life of Christ in the Bible college that we began in Brazil back in the 90s. And there were several students that really thought that David and Paul and Peter and Noah and all those people lived at the same time. No, that's not true. There was a lot of history there, all right? And I want to give you tonight just a little timeline, okay, that may help you. If you want to, you've got something to write with, uh, write it down so you can maybe remember this. I did not prepare something to hand out tonight because I I really spent a lot of time (laughs) doing some research today uh, on different subjects. Even got my wife involved with me, and she helped me out. But when we start here at the very beginning of creation, we are looking at about the year 4004, okay? That's by the best estimates of those who know how to study calendars and dates and all of that. So from there, until we begin to start counting forward, was approximately 404 years, all right? 4,004 years. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. And down here in the beginning, we have a man by the name of Methuselah who lived how many years? 969. 969 years. That's a long time. That's a long time, isn't it, Sister Dee? That's a long time. Uh, I don't think that any of us could handle that much time in these modern times. That, that's just, that would be too much. Absolutely too much. 969 years. So 
of all of those four millenniums, he lived almost one of them alone, okay? Or he did. There were others, of course, that lived long lives also. One of the interesting things you will notice if you get a hold of a timeline chart uh, with regard to the diminishing age of people who lived at that time, you will find that after the flood, it began to go down and down and down until uh, some of the older ones were living to be 120. And it's got down to the place now where, uh, I don't know what the average age is now, maybe 72, 74, something like that. And because some die sooner, some die older. But uh, that's about where we are today. I think I have been able, by the grace of God, to go over the average. And I'd like to bust the average just a little bit more. <laughs> For the Camarinas over the average too. Amen. All right. Now, you may wonder why I want to do all this. It's because I want you to be able to understand when you are reading some things out of the Bible, where those things transpire. All of the Old Testament will begin with creation about 4,004. And we go through all of the New Testament history. Now, right down here at the end, there was a period that due to Israel's entrenched attitude, their unwillingness to obey God and their unwillingness to do what God wanted them to do, God said, all right, you can just do it yourself. I'll let you do it however you want to do it. It was one of the saddest times in the life of the nation of Israel. For 400 years, God did not send them one prophet, not one preacher. God did not transmit any message to them for 400 years. That's longer than our nation has existed. All right? That's all. That's uh, almost as long as since Noah came and... Uh, Noah, excuse me. I was thinking about Columbus. Came and set his feet on the North American continent. All right? Uh, that's a long time. God did not speak to them. And if you can read any secular history about that time, it was a very sad time, very sad time. And a lot of the attitudes from this time transferred over into the New Testament times. Excuse me, and some of the things that Jesus talked about and some of the uh, attitudes of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of that was a result of this 400 years. We call them the 400 silent years. That's when God was silent, all right? Excuse me, I'll get in front of you there. Yeah, I'll pull this thing out just a little bit. Better. All right. Okay. Now we want to talk about, for just one moment, about the birth of Christ. All right? The birth of Christ happened somewhere between three to five years um, B.C. B.C., by the way, talked uh, says before Christ, kind of a misnomer. He was born before, <laughs> before year zero, all right? And nobody really knows for certain, and I'm glad they don't know, because if they knew, they would suddenly turn that day, that year, into something to be worshipped rather than to worship the Creator Himself. Now, for the sake of our discussion tonight, I'm going to just say that Jesus was born in the year 3, before Christ, B.C., okay? Year 3. So we're going to make a little mark here. We're going to put a little 3 right there, okay? That's when Christ was born. 
All right, now how old was Jesus when he began his ministry? Huh? 30. Thank you. 30. We all participate. We'll get this all together. He was about 30 years of age. So anyway, we're going to put a 30 there. Jesus began his ministry. All right? And for how long did he minister on earth? Three years. Huh? Three and a half years. So three and a half years was the time of his ministry. I'm going to write that up here. All right? So when Jesus finished his ministry and was crucified, all right, we are at approximately what year in time? Hi, math, Paul. 30. 30. Very good. 30. We're approximately year 30, all right? And we're just going to make a mark here and say year 30, okay? And that would be A.D. Unadomini, which stands for in Latin, I guess. Unadomini, okay? All right, year 30. Now, this is rather important because as we begin to go on down through the, 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 the epistles, we're going to discover several things that are important and related to dates, all right? When was the Holy Ghost poured out? Day of Pentecost, what year? Thank you. I'm gonna, you know, I, I like to make you think a little bit, you know. Because it was the same year that Jesus was uh, ascended into heaven. Yes, but he started, he started, he would have started his ministry. He was a minister for 30. He started at 30. He was born at 3. He was, he started his ministry in the year 27. All right? <laughs> Somebody walked in my office and you thought we were about to go to this city. We were arguing about some of this stuff, okay? And just kind of trying to rationalize it all, okay? It's important, all right? <clears throat> Follow it. So the Holy Ghost was outpoured in the year 30, 50 days after the crucifixion. That's important to remember, 50 days. And that is where we get the term Pentecost, okay? 50 days later, it was the feast of, um, for the first harvest, and uh, it was a very important feast, and all of the Jews were required to appear for that particular uh, feast, all right? <clears throat> now, <clears throat> uh, so we have the Holy Ghost being outpoured in about the year 30. Persecution of the church and the followings of the teachings of our Lord began almost immediately. The world didn't cut them any slack. The religious leaders of that day didn't cut them any slack whatsoever. Persecution began immediately. And uh, Peter and, uh, and um, John were arrested and thrown in prison. They responded to the Sanhedrin, uh, which really couldn't do anything because they perceived that God was with them and the people were with them. But things would deteriorate. And then we go on down through time. And we find that James. Now, I want us to clarify a little bit here about James because there are 
several James in the Bible, and we want to make sure that we understand which one we're talking about. Now, James, who was apostle of the Lord, the brother to John, became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. All right? And approximately 12 years after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, uh, Herod thought that he would be able to really deal the church a death blow, and he had James killed. And thinking that uh, that really was agreeable with the people, he decided, I'm going to arrest Peter too. So he arrested Peter and put Peter in prison. What happened to Peter? Huh? No. 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 Huh? They were in a prayer meeting at the house of the. Alright. The church made prayer without ceasing in Peter's behalf. You know, I, I would have liked to have been a fly on a wall to see the look on those guards' face when they woke up and found out that their prisoner was gone. The doors were closed. They testified to that fact. The gates were all closed. Brother Camarina, that was the first automatic door in the world. As Peter and the angel got close to it, that gate just opened up. They walked through it, bang it closed behind them. <laughs> and they were able to say, we found everything as secure as when we put Peter in there. All right? God couldn't only unlock the door, but he could lock it again. All right? And so Peter was delivered from prison. Okay? Now exactly where Peter went after that, I don't know, but he didn't stay around Jerusalem. All right? He was out and gone. Okay? Now, approximately 12 years after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, James was killed. All right? This is James. This had been the leader in the church. He was one of the called disciples. This was not James, Jesus' brother. All right? Was not. Okay? <clears throat> now, James, the half-brother of Jesus, by the same mother and a different father, what does that mean? Jesus was born of the virgin. Huh? Because Jesus was born of the virgin. No, who was his father? Joseph. The Holy Ghost. God. Joseph. Joseph was his earthly father. Well, come on, Sister Wayne. Don't spread confusion here among the saints of the Most High. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And the Holy Ghost is none other than God Himself. Right. And the Scriptures say, Scripture says to us, uh, to wit, that God, by the way, it doesn't say God the Father or God the Holy Ghost or anything else. It just says God, all right, was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. All right? That's just a, it's such a powerful scripture. And we need to remember that scripture because it is an answer to everyone who embraces the doctrine of the Trinity. All right? To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Okay? All right. Now, 
What year was Jerusalem destroyed? 70 AD. 70 AD. All right. And I don't know if you've read anything about the destruction of Jerusalem, but it was a very horrible affair, Brother Miguel. Horrible. The general's name, Roman uh, general's name, was Titus, and he came against the city. And he evidently had instructions directly from Rome. The emperor had put up with those rebellious Jews all that he wanted to, and they went in and they just killed Jews by the thousands. And the records that I have read said that they made so many crosses to crucify those people on. There, was, there were no more trees left to cut down and make crosses. There wasn't any place even hardly to put a cross that wasn't, you know, huh? That wasn't rock, you know. And it was a horrible time. Now, there's one thing that we must understand. God is always aware of what's going to happen. All right? And so Jesus told those that were his disciples that there would come a time when Titus would circle the city and then for some reason he would draw back. And Jesus said that that would be the time when his followers were to flee and to go to the mountains. Because God did not want his gospel to die within the confines of the walled city of Jerusalem. All right? He has seen to the preservation of this gospel to this day. All right? And so... He, he told them in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 17, when you see that happen, don't even come down from the housetop. You just, to take anything out of your house, you just get out of the city. And the houses were all kind of joined together. We understood that living in Brazil. You're going to have a whole block of houses and there's wall to wall, okay? And you just run over the top of all the houses to the gate, they were gone, Okay? And they fled. And uh, they got out of the city. And they were spread all over. And they carried the gospel with them. All right? Now, I want to point out something that I think is very, very viable for us to understand. It is very easy for us. Now, I want you to understand me carefully tonight. Okay? It is very easy for us to become attached in a way that is not spiritually healthy for us, to the things of this world. All right? Amen. Just Kathy, I'm glad you have your own house. I'm glad. I'm glad you have your own house. You have that agreement with the bank. As long as you make the payment, it lets you live in it, right? <laughs> and we have a car. As long as we make the payment, we can drive it. Thank God mine are paid for. But anyway, you know, we, we have all of these things. But, you know, we cannot ever in our life become so attached to these things that we don't want to leave here. Now, I want us to recall some of the things that happened in the beginning of the book of Acts. The Holy Ghost was outpoured. 3,000 were added to the church on the day of Pentecost. 5,000 were added to the church uh, in a, a few days later when the lame man at the beautiful gate was healed. And so the church grew by leaps and bounds. And the Bible tells us that many priests and scribes and others, 
you know, came to be uh, believers and were baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. And the number of people was so great and they were trying to be self-sufficient and many sold their homes and all of their possessions to be able huh? to sustain that early church. So when it came time to leave, let's go. We don't have a Lot's wife looking back and, oh, my beautiful house. Oh, my new car. Excuse me tonight. I, I, I'm being very blunt tonight, all right? All right? Somehow or the other, my friends, we've got to get our minds and our hearts and our our spiritual vision focused on God and His kingdom. For them to leave? What's the big deal? I've got a few old clothes down there in the closet, but that's all. A few pots and pans, but hey, that's nothing. Come on. We're out of here. Yes. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Beautiful hymn from way back yonder. Goodbye, world, goodbye. That's right. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have got to get to the place where there is such a tremendous abhorrence in our soul for the sin and the degradation and and all that exists in this world. That it's Lord, come, I want out of here. Praise God. There are days that I get up and I just feel such a heaviness in my soul. It has nothing to do with emotion. But it has everything to do with the spirit and how it's moving on my soul. And uh, I've been kind of kidding around a little bit, but I'm really serious. Uh... This morning I was awake at 4.15. And, Lord, wait a minute. Now, it's not time to get up yet. But I knew, I knew by how awake I was that it was not going to do any good to go back to bed. The thing is to go to my favorite place of prayer and begin to intercede for yes. lost souls. Yes. Yes. My friend... I have come to God day after day after day after day and time after time and I hope you can do the same and say, God, I have not come here today because I need more clothes or I need more food or I need a better car or I need a bigger house or any of these material things. I have come here today to beseech you, God, to pour out your spirit, to, to save souls, to rescue souls from the pit of hell and all the degradation of this that's got to be our focus. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. James talks about praying amiss for things that we will consume upon our own lusts. Come on, come on. Huh? Oh, Jesus. I, I'm just throwing some things out tonight for you to think about. Some things that I hope the Holy Ghost will impress oh, on the mind of each one of us. No, I'm not saying we need to sell our house and, get our house and give all the money to the church. I'm not saying that. But we cannot allow those things right. to be the primary focus of our lives. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so they fled with 
no pain to be felt, no remorse to be felt because they had already given it all to the Lord. Now the study tonight, and we're going to the basic part of our study tonight, is found in the book of Jude. All right? How many chapters are there in Jude, Nathan? <laughs> if I had asked you to turn to Jude 20, I'll tell you what, there'd be some people just thumbing their Bibles 100 miles an hour trying to find it, all right? Sister Casimir, we used to do sword drills. Sword drills? Our sister, Dee, you remember when we used to do sword drills? No? Sword drills? Yes. Somebody said, we say, John 3.16, first one to find, jump up and read it. All right? Acts 2.38, jump up and read it. First one up, get to read it, all right? And I was doing that one day, and I just thought for the fun of it, I just threw in Zechariah 4.16. I'll tell you what. They were just about to tear their Bible apart trying to find Zacharias. (laughs) Oh, my. It sounded like a book in the Bible, but it wasn't. All right? Jude has one chapter and 20, 25 verses, 25 verses, but it is a power-packed book. It is very significant because it is the book just prior to the book of Revelation. And Jude is very disturbed in his spirit about what was going on in his world. And I hope that you, my friend, my brother, my fellow warrior, I hope that you are disturbed in your spirit about what is happening in our world. That you are deeply moved by the degradation to which man has allowed himself to sink. That you are appalled with the level of immorality that exists at every level of society today. The Bible talks about... Lot. And uh, Lot gets a lot of criticism. He really does. And if we understand scriptures correctly, maybe we give him too much criticism. But the scriptures say that Lot vexed his righteous soul every day with what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. We can't get out of this world. There's no way for us to leave here yet until the Lord comes for us. All right? And I hope, my friend, I hope that you are vexed every day with the level of sin that is around you wherever you are. Amen? Amen. And that you are not (coughs) assimilating that and thinking, well, I guess that's all right because everybody does it. Just for your information, everybody does it, doesn't cut with God. (laughs) All right? All right. Now, the book of Jude was probably written somewhere along about 66 A.D., which would be about four years before the destruction of Jerusalem. All right? Now, when we look at that, And we look at the concern that Jude expresses in his book 
about the direction that the church was taking, about the direction that, uh, about the things that was going on in the church, we say, my God, in 35 years, we go from this glorious outpouring of the Holy Ghost to, to this time of, of, of being away from God. The, the condemnation that we're going to find in future studies here is that the, this epistle was not written to one particular man or one particular church, right. but it was written to the church in general. It was, and that's why it is called, among others, a general epistle, all right? It's to everybody. It's to us today, all right? But Jude was worried, concerned, very concerned about what was transpiring and about how that these crafty men that were sowers of false doctrines had managed to weasel their way into the church and were sowing their seeds of discord and false doctrine and they were being embraced by the church. We had a man in the church in Brazil. Man, could he ever sing. Oh, wow, he could sing. And But my wife said one day, she said, you know, yeah, he sings well. But he's a liar. And they said, but he sings well. He, he's one of those kind of guys that could just really, you know, get the, get the party animated, you know, get things going. Natural talent, not the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Right. It did not produce spiritual results. Right. Everybody was happy. They could sing and shout and dance about and say, man, we sure did have a good service tonight. Right. But I wonder how everybody was on Monday morning mm -hmm. because they didn't really touch God. Right. They didn't get renewed in the Holy Ghost. Right. Uh, they didn't have a new dip into the, the presence of God and become empowered again. Right. That's the problem. Amen. My wife didn't even know I was preparing the study in this way. But she threw out something today that was just, it, 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 it boggles our mind. I, I don't know how, how else to say it. But this guy was a great singer. And he sung for America Has Talent. And he was applauded and they thought it was great and it was wonderful. But the flip side of that was that he was the worship leader in a church. Right. And he was gay. That, that appalls me. Yeah. And you know, sometimes we, we sit in the confines of our own religious organization. And we may throw stones at other religious organizations. But my wife and I sat in a church about five years ago. I'll tell you what, that keyboard player was as gay as the devil. I mean, everything about him said, I'm gay. His hand movement, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. There's not a manly thing about it. 
You know? You know, Brother Josh. And I thought, how can this be? Not my church. I'm not the pastor. I'm not responsible. But somebody is. And I prayed. And I prayed. God, help us to not make compromise with the world and compromise with all of the pressure that is being placed on the church today. Amen. 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 Jesus. Come on. That was Jude's concern. All right? That was his concern. All right? Thirty-five years after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, an apostate spirit was already invading the church. How sad. It's been approximately 109 years since the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Topeka, Kansas, and Azusa Street in Los Angeles. I hope that we can hold up the barriers, that we can maintain the standard of holiness and righteousness and godly living. Yes, amen. But unfortunately, I have seen signs that if you got the right name, somehow the other adultery is not adultery and fornication is not fornication. But in God's book, sin is sin. Right. It doesn't matter what your last name is. doesn't matter how tall you are. doesn't matter how much you weigh. doesn't matter how good looking you are. Sin is sin. Right. Yes. <coughs> and that's the way it's got to be. Right. Now Jude who wrote this book was the brother of James, a son of Mary and Joseph. Jude was his brother. And so he had ample knowledge of the teaching of Jesus and had ample authority by being so closely connected with the apostolic church that he was able to write with great authority to all of the churches in a general sense at that time. All right? Please put verse number one up there for us, Sister Gina, verse one. All right? And uh, here we go. All right? I'm going to make some comments as we run down through this, through this. And the first four verses are more or less an introduction. And then we're going to get into the real meat of the book. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. All right? The words sanctify and sanctification are considered by some today as being old terms, but those terms just merely mean made holy. <clears throat> Let me tell you something, Noah, you're not going to make your own self holy. There's no way you can do it. There's no way you're going to sanctify yourself. It's got to be a work that is done by God, our Heavenly Father. And that's why it's so important that we give ourselves to prayer and to seeking after God to be made holy. Hallelujah. That is why we must be filled with the Holy Ghost. It's not any spirit, but it is the Holy Spirit. 
Hallelujah. And if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you will be made into a holy person. Somebody bring me some water, please. Open it before you bring it. <coughs> Praise God. Thank you, Brother Mike. Miguel. So, we, 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 we understand how important it is for us to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You cannot be the holy person that God wants you to be unless you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, amen. amen. Yeah, right. And Brother Camarina knows that. And that's why he is anxious uh, to see these new people that are coming filled with the Holy Ghost, transformed by the power of God from the inside out. Yes. He wants the stony heart to be taken out of them. After all these years in a ministry, please forgive me, brother, but when a minister is preaching, I, I know when he's struggling. And I felt that Brother Camarena was struggling Sunday morning to transmit what he felt in his heart. And I'm sitting back there quietly praying, God anoint him, God help him, God help him to transmit the message that needs to be transmitted. Amen? Amen. Our pastor needs that prayer support by we who understand these things. We can't leave him here alone. Or like they say in Brazil, to die alone on the beach. He's got to be accompanied by all of us. To have the power and the authority and the backing that he needs to be able to transmit these messages to us. Hallelujah. Praise God. Nobody don't do this, but please forgive me. It's getting a little raw tonight. All right. Praise God. Those that need God don't know how to pray like that. But we do, so we need to do it. And if you see some people after this message tonight, Brother Camarina, sitting during service with their head bowed, they're probably praying for you that God will anoint you and help you to say just the right thing to touch the hearts of of those that need to hear. He talked about a heart transplant. And... uh, just kind of talking a little casual talk during our cake eating time. I said, you know, there, there's one thing that the reason that man only lived for 14 days, 14 days, wasn't it? Yeah. 14 days, because they didn't have anti-rejection drugs in those days. All right? So his body rejected that heart, and he died anyway. All right? But it was the beginning of a new era right. in organ transplant, and uh, drugs were developed to help Bodies not reject foreign organs that were uh, transplanted into them. All right? Now let me tell you something. There is a spiritual parallel to that. And we who are supposed to be mature in Christ need to see to it that the proper anti-rejection drugs are administered to these who have that new heart from God transplanted in them. That's right. Amen. They need to feel the effect of our prayers. Come on. They need to read the Word of God. They need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Yes, yes. Those are the anti-rejection drugs 
that, are, that need to be applied in a spiritual sense so that that new heart, that new life right. is not rejected by their body. Right. Hallelujah. Right. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I hope you're understanding tonight. Praise God. All right. Brother of James, them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. All right. Next verse, please, Sister Gina. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. What year is this being written? Remember what I told you? Thank you, Sister Dee. 66 AD. Brother McGill, the church was already under intense persecution. Christians were already being thrown into the arenas and being devoured by the lions. Hundreds, maybe thousands were being imprisoned. Some were being stoned. Some were being beheaded. There was a horrible persecution going on in the church already. All right? And so Jude's salutation to these people is, Mercy unto you, and peace, and love be multiplied. He wanted them to be comforted in the midst of all of their trials and tribulations, and all of the fears that they were feeling. Are the Roman soldiers going to knock on my door today and take me to the arena and cast me and my family in the lions? They really didn't know. It was a horrible time for the church. It was a time to be strong. It was a time to be stalwart. It was not a time to compromise. And I'm sorry to say tonight, but there are many who profess Christ who are compromising on every level the standards of holiness and doctrine that are taught to us by the Word of God. by colleagues and the world is more important than being accepted by God. What's important to me is to be accepted by God. I had a little online exchange today with somebody from I don't know where, someplace in the world. People come on my Facebook page from 27 different nations in the world. I don't know where these people are from when they write to me. I can't decipher their names as to their origin. But they write to me in a so-so English, all right? And uh, uh, he wrote something very complimentary about me. And I appreciated that. I I really do. I I want to be a mentor to people, even if it's online. I want to help people to serve God and live for God and be acceptable with God. And uh, he said something about, I don't know, being a help to him. I said, well, I'm glad that I can be. But my major goal in life is to be pleasing to God. If I don't please God, I have lived my life in vain. If God does not approve of my life, I have lived my life in vain. Let us understand that. Because the same is true for every one of us, all right? So Jude writes and says that he wants them to... uh, be preserved, all right? <clears throat> all right. He is looking forward 
because he is already able to look backward and to see what has already transpired in the death of Christians, in the persecution of Christians, and all of that, and he is looking forward to even greater things that are to come. Now let me give you a word of warning tonight, my friends. All right? I don't know how connected you are to, you know, the things that are transpiring in our world and in particularly in our nation. But there are powers at work today yeah. within our nation that if these people had their will, they would walk in here and close us down. Yeah. They would take our Bibles and burn them in the middle of the street. They hate the Bible. They hate the Bible. Yeah. They hate the Bible. Why? Because the Bible can, condemns their horrible lifestyle, their sin, their licentiousness, right. uh, their immorality, yeah. and they don't want to hear it. Right. They don't want the Ten Commandments to be posted anywhere because it condemns them. Yes. But my question is, what's wrong with us not kill? What's wrong with us not steal? Don't we have laws like that on the books in our state and in our nation? Yes, we do. Right. But they don't want it to come out of the Bible. Right. Right. They hate God's Word. They hate morality. And <clears throat> these powers are at work. They are clandestine. They're, 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 they're behind the scenes, but they're working, and they're working powerfully. And every once in a while, we catch a glimpse of what is going on. And what we see is often frightening to us. Yeah. And I want to tell you what, it's frightening to my wife and I. Because we have children. We have grandchildren. And we have great-grandchildren. And we pray daily, God, strengthen them. And help them. We do not know what they may face and what they may have to suffer for the name of Christ. God. You've got to help them. You've got to fill them with your spirit. And your power. While they are young. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. <clears throat> Alright. <clears throat> Mercy unto you. And peace and love be multiplied. Verse 3. Alright. Having in view. Of the world and government on the established foundations, uh, having a view of the attacks of the world and the government on established foundations of the church, he writes out of great concern about the salvation which Jesus came to provide. Behold, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the same. Now I want to make quite a few comments on this particular verse tonight, all right? And <clears throat> it is important for us to understand a few aspects here, all right? All right. <clears throat> he talks about the common salvation. Common? You know, just... Everyday, ordinary? No. When he used the word common here, he meant that it was the salvation that all of the apostles and the followers of Christ adhered to. Yeah. All right? right? 
It was general among them that they embraced this salvation that Jesus Christ came to provide, all right? They gave allegiance to that salvation, and they were willing to die for that salvation. He called it the common salvation, meaning that it was this message to which all of Jesus, all Jesus' followers gave total and fundamental belief. He was in no way demeaning the divinely provided salvation for mankind. All right? Okay? During the attacks on the Christians and the church, along with the falling away of some, he felt it necessary to write and to warn. He felt impelled and coerced by the Holy Spirit to write and appeal to the church to contend for the faith which was delivered, handed down to them, and not to cede to the pressures of the world around them. And I went to my good old Webster's Dictionary. Well, I think it's Webster. Somebody wrote it anyway. And I looked up the word contend. What does contend mean, Noah? Huh? Yeah, yeah, that's a good word. Fight, fight for. That's a better word. Fight for. Fight for. And not just half-heartedly. Earnestly. All right? You know, you know, one of the reasons, Brother Cameron, that I like to break down these verses sometimes is we just read them when we pass over some words. And Sister Walmer has mentioned tonight very aptly the fact that it says earnestly contend. All right? All right? <clears throat> uh, it would be easy for us today to let down and to cede our precious doctrines to the world, and may I say, to the church world, who in great part is also ceding to the world their doctrines that they once believed, that they no longer believe. I think one of the most shocking things that I read this week, and I mentioned to my son Stephen in Tennessee, he said, Dad, that's been around for a couple of years. I said, well, I'm sorry, I didn't pick up on it until today. But how many of you remember a black pastor by the name of T.J. Jakes? T.J. Jakes. Hi, sings so beautifully. He writes books. And writes books. Yeah. Well, it just so happened that his son became gay. And suddenly his doctrine changed. And he says, we are in the process of evolution. Does that shock your modesty? It ought to. All right. My wife and I read some of these things that come by, and what I don't read, she does and hands it to me, and we, we get a pretty general idea of what's going on. All right? I have a book in my library that was written by an old-time itinerant preacher. Uh, they called them circuit-riding preachers. Have you heard that term? 
And they had a set schedule that they followed of preaching in this church one weekend, another church, and so on, okay? And he was Methodist. Methodist. But from what he describes in his book, my friend, I sincerely believe that the people that he preached to were receiving the Holy Ghost. Now, I know that we are very happy with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in 1900 and in Topeka, Kansas and Azusa Street and a few other places around the world. That was a general outpouring. But before that time, people were receiving the Holy Ghost sporadically in different places around the world because they were hungry for God and God was honoring their seeking after Him. And he talks about how the ladies danced in the aisles until their hair fell down and their hairpins were all over the church floor. Praise God. As they received the Holy Ghost and were endued with the power of God. Sometimes he would go out into the woods and find a hollow log and he would crawl into it and lay in there for three days at a time, praying and fasting and waiting on God. And when he came out, he was endued with power to do the work of God. Amen. Amen. Talked to one time he was in a house and he crawled up into the attic of the house, laid across the, laid across the ceiling joist. Oh my, what an uncomfortable bed. But it was warm up there because the chimney went through there and he was laying next to that to stay warm. And the crowd was gathered down there. They wanted to hear him preach. And they would stick their head up through the, through the, uh, the, 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 the access to the attic. People were waiting. He said, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. But when he was ready, he knew by the power of God that was with him. And when he preached, great things transpired. Through his preaching. Hallelujah. May God somehow help us to get back to those kinds of days. Amen. Amen. Praise God. The plan of God. The plan of salvation was delivered once and once for all time. To be the only means of salvation of mankind. For the Camarina there's not going to be any such thing as. Version 1.2 and version 1.5 and version 2.1. If you deal with computers, you know what I'm talking about. They're all the time making software upgrades. All right? Listen, there's not going to be any upgrades or downgrades in this gospel. It was established once and once for all mankind. If you're Chinese, (laughs) Japanese, Korean, Indian, Russian... German, North American, whatever. It's the same message for everybody. Why? Because God is fair. God is fair. All right? And he doesn't go around changing the gospel. It is called the gospel. You remember that word that we talked about here? What did my pen? About some time ago. You know, the, the difference in, uh, in uh, articles, okay? The mean one. If it, if it were how we could say, you know, we could question how many there would be. All right? The gospel. 
This is the gospel, the only one, all right? right. Praise God. The gospel was given not just, the gospel was given not just a gospel or any other gospel, seemingly more attractive. In Galatians 6, 1, 6 through 9, Paul writes a very stern message in 58 AD, all right? That's eight years, that's, yeah, eight years before Jude wrote, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you under the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. For there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And as I said before, so say I again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you other than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Pretty strong language, isn't it? We've got to adhere to the gospel. Where do we find the gospel? In a nutshell, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul said, I delivered you that also which I received from the Lord. How that Christ died and was buried and rose again on the third day. And so we must repent and be baptized and receive the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We're not going to go into new birth right now. Verse 4. Okay. This verse continued to describe what was happening in the church in the first century. Men crept steadily into the very heart of the church. Into a church of what was happening because of a lack of prayer, of knowledge of the word, and divine revelation of the spirits of those men who crept in. I made a little note to myself here. Many years ago in our work in Brazil, I had a young lady came into church. She was dressed right. She was dressed simply, dressed right. All right? Looked like a good, holy child of God. She wanted to bless us with one of her songs. Well, I'm not too much in favor of letting people just walk into the church and sing, you know. Uh, Bible says, know them that labor among you. Does it say that or doesn't it? (laughs) I felt in my spirit, no sunshine, you're not singing tonight. (laughs) And they they got very upset with me until they finally learned there's no sense going to that church because that preacher is hard-nosed. He's not going to let you sing if he just walking off the street. That week I learned that she was unmarried, but had been to bed with a guy on Saturday night. I didn't have a direct revelation of what she was involved in, but I felt that she should not sing, and she didn't. You're offended? I'm sorry. I'm the pastor here. God sent me up as the angel of this church, and I'm going to be zealous for my pulpit, and zealous for who comes on my platform to sing and to transmit the word of God through song or through preaching. Amen? Yes. Praise God. And Brother Camarino always back you up with that. All right? We've got to be very, very careful. Because if an adulterer, 
comes into our pulpit, he is going to sow his spirit into the congregation. No, he doesn't say, I'm an adult, or hey, you need to do that, it's good. You know. But it's a transmission of his spirit to your spirit. Right. Of his spirit to the spirit of the church. Yes. Unseen and often unknown. Yeah. In my years of ministry, please forgive me, I've had to deal with several cases of adultery among members of the ministry. What did I find? That once that adultery in the ministry was discovered, that normally the church was full of adultery. It was happening all the time between people. Because that spirit was so. Unawares. They did not realize because they did not have enough of the Holy Ghost, Sister Linda, to be able to discern. <coughs> That's one of the works of the Holy Ghost. That is one of the gifts of the Spirit, is to discern people's spirits. Right. No, I'm not going to walk around discerning you and telling you what's wrong with you, no. But if God so moves upon me, I may discern a spirit. And in a very educated way, pray or ask God to somehow reveal that so it can be repented of yeah. Right. Yeah. and corrected. Amen? Amen. Amen? And evidently, this the churches to whom he wrote did not have the discerning of the Spirit. All right. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 says that we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you. The men of whom Jude wrote were not either not known uh, or their ungodly behavior was ignored and it was creating havoc in the church. They were perverting the grace of God into sensuous behavior. Okay. There are so-called churches today that are just for those of the homosexual lifestyle. And then there are other churches who accept that as normal behavior. You're as welcome as anybody else. Adultery and fornication are swept under the rug. It's just human nature to commit those things. I want to tell you what, if we're regenerated, we don't commit those things. Right. We don't participate in those things. Right. Praise God, because the Bible is so very, very clear that those that practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Right. <clears throat> What's happening in our world today? Men and women of similar attitudes and spirits are doing the same thing today. They are transforming the purest of Bible teachings into something sensuous and sinful. <clears throat> All right? Some are saying that Jesus was homosexual because he had 12 men disciples. Blasphemers. There's a place for them in the pit of hell. Sorry. Unless they repent. Others are saying... <clears throat> 
that Jesus had a conjugal relationship with Mary Magdalene. All right? And on and on the story goes that many are buying into it because they are refusing to accept the lordship of Jesus Christ and the absolute authority of the word of God. According to things which we have heard rumored, there are those who would like to see the Bible totally banned from our society. Of course they want this to happen because the Bible is condemning their licentious behavior. They are also denying the Lord God and his incarnate form on earth. Now we will read the word lascivious. And that word may be a little bit foreign to some, but it just very simply means feeling lust. What do you think happens when all of these pictures of semi-nude or sometimes nude pictures of women appear? All right? It puts lust into people's hearts. Sometimes it's lust on the part of women for another woman. Then they lust in the heart of a man to be able to enjoy a conjugal relationship with that woman. It's wrong. It's wrong. All right? Stay with me a minute. All right? Showing lust, lewd, wanton, causing lust or wantonness. What is that big word? Okay, let me describe it. Wanton. Reckless, heartless, without reason or excuse, not moral, not chaste, lewd. While researching this word, I found the following illustrative phrase very interesting. This was a phrase to describe the word wanton. And dancing around him with wanton looks of bare arms. When women begin to undress and show their bodies to the opposite sex, It does something in the heart of a man to cause him to lust. All right? Phrase I've heard so often, I am sick of hearing it. Oh, God doesn't judge the outside, he just judges the heart. But where in the world do you think this outside appearance comes from if it doesn't come from the heart? They need a heart transplant to come in. Okay? We don't dress with ample length clothes and ample length sleeves and right. and we don't dress with low cut blouses and we guys don't run around shirtless in public and right. just a lot of things. We just don't do those things. Right. Right. Because it creates lust in the heart of other people. Right. All right? Amen. And he who creates the lust is as guilty as he who follows his lustful desires. We as Pentecostals who adhere to a sound uh, standard of dress and behavior should not be criticized for our stand for modesty of dress, for the world knows very well what sensuous things the immodest dress works on the emotions of the opposite sex. Right. Yeah. All right? There we have it. Well, I've taken enough time. I wanted to 
go into this, but I won't have time. This little brochure right here talks about the diminishing of Christian principles and attitudes in our present society. And this is put together by the Barnum, Barna Institute. Are you read any of their stuff? And they do some very accurate reporting. And it is frightening to see what is happening to so-called Christian America that used to hold such high standards of behavior and so on. Uh, we may deal with this sometime at a later date, all right? All right. Read the rest of the book of Jews. Read it with your dictionary handy. And you're going to become very enlightened. And after Jude, there was even greater persecution. And within not too many years, the church had actually gone into apostasy. And by the year 325 A.D., they embraced and invented the doctrine of the Trinity and the worship of images and idols, and they had brought paganism into the very heart of the church. May God help us to never let that happen. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let us contend for the faith. Yes, sir. Let us fight for the faith. Yes. Yes. Let us be warlike. Yes, right, right. One word here that really amazed me that would be used. Exert oneself, strain, strive, wrestle. Not to get flesh and blood. Combat, battle, wrangle. And the word intensive can also be associated with the word content. It's not some half-hearted effort on our part to adhere to the faith. And as time goes on, it's going to become ever more difficult for people like us to adhere to our faith. Amen? Amen. Even the very bland Chick-fil-A, their stand against homosexual lifestyle. They've been banned from several airports, and they have been, been banned from seven cities of setting up their residence because of that stand. That is just the beginning, my friends. I want when you get down in the morning for your time of prayer to say, God, give me the strength that I need today to stand against all of the wiles of the enemy of my soul. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Uh, I want you to pray. I'm not, I'm not going to give you any names. I just want you to pray for a friend of mine who sent me a text message last night late. And he said, Brother Walmer, please pray for me. He said, I returned home after a 14-hour day on my job to find that my wife had packed her stuff and left. And we have been communicating through the day as he's been about his work that involves quite a lot of travel. And uh, <clears throat> he's going to call me tomorrow. I want to get together with him. I want to be able to just sit down across the table somewhere and be able to let him pour out his heart to me. And I told him, if I can come to your house, you want to come to mine. We'll get together and pray and seek God in behalf of the situation that you are facing. My friend, they're out there everywhere. People are facing some very difficult times. And a spouse doesn't want to live for God. One doesn't, the other does. 
and separations and and just so much contrary attitude comes into homes and all because of the gospel. Jesus said that he came to bring a sword. And the sword is there. It's separating. It really is. Stand with me, please. Thank you for your kind attention tonight. And one, one prayer request. Yes. Uh, for Sister Claudia's niece for healing. All right. Okay. Sister Claudia, would you come up here? I want to pray for you and I know you with oil uh, in behalf of your niece. Amen. Praise God. Thank <clears throat> you.